Welcome to the football fill-in, everybody. We're still in that weird little kind of winter break. Half games this week, half games next week. But we do have some talking points at least. Arsenal 5-0, thumping. Liverpool, fantastic away win, 4-0. Uh, we've also got a bit of goalie talk. We've got goalies getting elbowed in the face and goalies not setting their walls up properly. A bit of Troy Deeney too. He might be on the Fozcast later on today. We will see. This is a football fill-in. Let's have it. Are we lad? Happy Monday, Mark. You okay? Yeah, good. No Man United game to ruin it. Um, uh, yeah, feeling healthy. Yeah, yeah, great. You're looking really nice Thanks. today. I won't lie. I like the corduroy on you. It's thick corduroy that is. Yeah, it's nice, fantastic. Um, how are you, Dave? You've just had a week away in sunny Tenerife. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, shorts, t-shirt, came back to minus five. I mean, really felt it. How, but many, how many beers do you have? Don't I? Only a few. A thousand. Uh, not for me and not for Ryan Legs. Tom, it is dry January and we are sticking to it strict, aren't we? Very. Do you know how strict I'm doing it, Tom? Go on. Um, I made a lamb dinner last night and I didn't even put red wine in the gravy. It all burns off. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's still not a true dry January if you don't... So oh, I'm it's not, not about it. the alcohol. It's just about I'm not putting anything like that in my mouth. All right. Anyway... Okay, uh, we've got to start with Arsenal. Um, I hope you watched your football at the weekend, lads. They absolutely battered Crystal Palace. Roy Hodgson was under massive pressure. But for Arsenal, looks like they're back a little bit, Mark. It looks like they're firing on all cylinders now, which is only good for a, a bit of a title race come the end of the season. I think football's quite predictable, isn't it? We spoke about it over Christmas that Arsenal look really tired. I don't think they've got a massive amount of rotational options and they've been playing Champions League, Premier League. Um, they had to come back in this next period with Forrest away and, and Liverpool. If they want to get back in that title race after a couple of disappointing losses against Fulham and West Ham, they've got to come back and, and look refreshed. And I think they did. They looked really yeah. refreshed. I mean, Gabriel was so impressive on yeah. corners. And I think that sort of set the tone for the whole performance. His leaps, his energy, his aggression. And I think Arsenal, in contrast to Palace, who looked like they'd, you know, they looked like they'd, they'd, they'd not had a dry January. They looked very, very hungover. Um, <laughs> I thought Arsenal did, you know, you can't criticise it. I still think they're a little bit in the final third. I don't, you know, we're going to talk about Tony. I think it's been a really quiet January transfer window. And I look at Arsenal and I go, I don't know, Benzema or something. If you've got any money, yeah. go and Quite buy a striker. Outfit, yeah. Because if you put a, if you put Erling Haaland or Osman or even Tony up front for Arsenal, I'd go, you know what, I yeah. think they've got a chance. But I thought they, I thought they were really good. They've got a, they're not in the FA Cup, so another break. Saka looked better, more energy. So I think it's good for the league that Arsenal won. Um, just how important is the set pieces you mentioned there, the two set piece goals that Arsenal scored. I, I think people overlook, don't they, what, how, just how important set pieces are. Because that game was, it was won by the first two goals, wasn't it? The set pieces won the game for Arsenal, set the tone for the, for the rest of the performance. And it was just so easy for them, wasn't it? Yeah, I watched the game and you could see that they'd really worked on the set pieces. Look, you, you see all the, the, the modern teams now. It's really gone in terms of, right, we're going to have a set piece coach, we're going to have a coach for this, we're going to have a coach for that. But like All my time, the last 15 years, I was doing goalie coaching, yeah. I was like assistant coach, but in that 15 years, I always did the set pieces you, for You did that for Southampton, for Birmingham, for England. Norwich, you did it for England. Yeah, and um, it's become more and more of a niche for clubs. Yeah. Um, and I think the real 
win for a set-piece coach is having the buy-in from the club and the structure where you get your time to do your work yeah. and where you see the clubs that are most effective, they get the, t- the coach gets his time on the training ground, so a Brentford that will come on to. But Palace in this game, always up against it. Yeah. Arsenal had done the homework. The one thing, I, when I watched the game, you saw the movement, you could see the patterns, but the one thing that nobody ever picked up on in the commentary until Ferdinand came on halfway through the half is the fact that Trossard lost his man and went and blocked Anderson in the yeah. middle of the six-yard mm-hmm. box. And ultimately... Man marking is a real difficult job. But when you're trying to mark Gabriel and he's coming in against you, if you actually kill a zone, which they did very, very well, Mm. and Trossard got free and blocked Anderson, unless the goalie comes and he's going to dominate, you're going to be under pressure if the ball's on the money. What do you think, as a a more recently active goalkeeper than Watto, um, what did you think about Henderson and especially the second goal? Because I I, I think that if you go back to midweek where Howard Webb did that video where he talks about some things and he said, he mentioned the Trafford one yeah. and he said, um, we've, we've gone with the on-field because, you know, it's not clear and obviously wrong. And you go, well, I, I, we're halfway through a season, Howard, and you're basically changing the rules. Yeah. I said, and they went to the set-piece coach, I think, on the bench, didn't they, with the camera for Arsenal. I said, fair play to Ben White, fair play to Arteta, fair play to the set-piece coach because they've done exactly what everyone should do now. Howard Webb's just given a red rat flag to everybody on a corner to go and stand on the goalkeeper. Don't push him like that. Just get your back into him like that, subtly, and and, and it worked. Yeah, Howard Webb, first of all, he's got it completely wrong. The the Trafford incident, we spoke about this last week, by the way, the Trafford incident was completely wrong. The the player is taking a look at Trafford, seeing him coming and purposely moving into him. And we spoke about it as well this morning, didn't we? If you stop a goalie in his tracks before he's about to cut... So you you have to use all of your motion as a goalie. You've got to think, James Trafford, 6'2", 6'3", he's a big guy. He's got to take all the motion he has to push up and go... The second somebody gets in your way at the very beginning of that, you have got nothing. You haven't got a leg to stand on, honestly. So Howard Webb's completely wrong with that. What he said was, and I, I watched it as well, he's completely wrong. It's as simple as that. But he, he has, he's let everybody know now, though, that you can just mm. do these sorts of things. Change the rules halfway through the season, you, you, you can do he's, these he's, things to go. He's opened the door now, and it's going to be a disaster for the officials. It's going to be a disaster. It will be absolutely. an absolute disaster. So can't knock Arsenal and Ben White for doing it. I, I, I won't knock Everyone's anybody for do doing it. Now. If, you, if you've been given a, a kind of green light to go and do this kind of stuff, everybody's going to do it, and why wouldn't you as well? I do think on the Dean Henderson one, the second goal in particular, I don't think it was a foul. I All don't right. really think it was a foul. I think... Me personally playing, I remember back in the day playing against the likes of a Bolton where you would have a Kevin Davies, a Kevin Nolan. <laughs> yeah, that's was, honestly, point. right? You've got to do more as a goalkeeper to say, you get out of my way. You, you have to do more. You have to be proactive. You can't just stand there and let the guy stand on you. You can't. You have to get in front. You have to, it's almost like you have to play a game of cat and mouse of, I'm going to go, for, I'm going to go back, I'm going to go forward, I'm going to go back. You have to make the referee fully aware that he's standing and you have to do whatever you can do to make sure you can come out and get that. And I just think Ben White was clever enough to go, no, do you know what? I've seen what happened last week with with James Trafford. I'm going to get it. So I'm just going to stand there. And and if me giving a foul away is me just standing there, then let it be. But I don't think he really did anything. He didn't put his arms up. He didn't inhibit him from coming so much. He just sort of turned there and made a nuisance of himself, didn't he? Yeah, you got, you got as a goalie, you know, you, you, you've played against the teams that really put you under pressure. There were no VAR yeah. at, at the point when you were trying to get past the Nolan and whoever else who made it really, oh, they really... They would pull difficult. your shirts, they would yeah. pinch but, you, they would But you have to be more proactive. They would stand on your you feet, wouldn't you, they? You, what's the manager said to you at the end of the game? Yeah. And you say, oh, yeah, well, they all pin me in. Well, 
Yeah, but you've got to do a bit more because yeah, your yeah, team yeah. needs you. And I think sometimes the, the, the rules have made the goalies a little bit softer because they feel as though they're going to get a foul. Look, the, the instance we're talking about, Trafford, it's a disgraceful decision. Yeah. When he stops his momentum, it's a foul. But goalies have to be more proactive under normal circumstances because they feel that they're going to get protected all the time. Um, but I just thought the, the work that Arsenal had done on the set plays, they, they took advantage of a, a situation that had arose in the week for sure. Trossard were really good at losing his man and getting a block on Anderson. Anderson, exactly the same as what we're talking about for Henderson, should have been more proactive. Don't allow the block to come. Like, yeah. as a goalie, yeah, yeah. don't allow the guy to stop you and your momentum. You've got to fight and you've got to see these situations. But fair play to Arsenal. Look, I really like the game. Two set pieces, put them on the front foot. For us as a goalie, I really like the third goal. Raya, I've not been his biggest fan, yeah, comes yeah. and takes the cross. Quick. Bowls his thrower, counter-attack goal. That's the ultimate of a goalie's position yeah. now. Dominate your area, quick release within three, four seconds, 3-0, game for Have Man United got a set-piece coach? Well, it's funny when, when Watto was saying that. I mean, it's amazing that we're talking in depth about set-pieces and how, you know, time, on the, time in the week, target this, target that, block end Anderson off. Man United concede so many goals from crosses. Yeah. You know, when we played Spurs last week, I felt we were going to concede every bloody yeah. cross. Villa a few weeks and, before. And we don't score from crosses yeah. at the other end. So, I don't know. Apparently they, they, we have, but it doesn't, feel, it doesn't feel I, like I, it. I never, I never see anything written about Manchester United and set-piece coach. I, like I said, with Arsenal, when that corner's about to come in the box, I'm thinking, Gabriel's a massive target here. They must work on surely him getting in the box. Boom, get straight in there. Goal. Villa, like I say, against Man United a few weeks ago, they purposely work on getting the ball into a certain area, blocking the goalkeeper. There's a tactic to it. I don't ever see that with the likes of Manchester. No, we, we have got one. I think it's Eric Ramsey. But yeah, we've been rubbish at set pieces for about five years. I think Solskjaer went 200 corners without scoring a goal. Yeah. Or something like that. Oh, wow. But, but the reality to the job is, it's all right saying I've got a set piece coach because the other top six or the top ten or every team in the Premier League has got a set piece coach. It's only going to work if you're allowed the time in the on meetings the and on pitch. the grass. Yeah, yeah. Because that's, that's, it. Where it, that's where it happens. Um, what's going to be happening with Roy Hodgson? What, um, obviously, you've worked with, with Roy at England. I've worked with Roy quite a lot. Lovely man, lovely manager. Um, but it looks like he's, his, his time is, is maybe going to be cut short at Crystal Palace. Yeah, I mean, I spoke to Roy in the summer and he was really excited by that Palace team and what he thought he could achieve with them this year. And I think he'll be really disappointed with the result, sure, at the weekend. And probably overall we where they've ended up yeah. this season. He would have expected more. Um, look, they're not under any pressure in terms of relegation relegation yeah. or anything like that. It's just for them. They're at the FA Cup getting beat in the week. W what is there to look forward to for the next six months if you're yeah, a Crystal sure. Palace fan? Um, I think the stats are he'll win one every three games in the Premier League. Is that enough between now and the end of the season to keep the Palace faithful happy? Look, he's a wonderful guy and... I, I hope he stays in the job and I hope he finishes under his own steam yeah. and when he calls time on it rather than I, I don't want him to lose his job and be sacked um, but the result and, and the pressure's coming for sure. Yeah, I think um, I think it goes back a few, uh, maybe about six weeks ago for me, when they played Liverpool and they were one 0 up. Um, I think Ayu got a red card, didn't he? Mm. Took the took the win right out of their sails. Yep. He did. Ended up losing the game two one. I think Harvey Elliott scored a last minute goal. But things like that, little details like that. Like I say they're cruising, they're one 0 up, playing really well. Like I say, the red card absolutely ruins them. And then since then, it's just been the a, momentum. Yeah, the to momentum change massive. Um, but it is what it is. I hope I hope he manages to stay in the job, and I hope that he manages to pick up a few. 
few results as well. Um, right, want to talk about Brentford, return of the Mac, like you said on uh, the United Stand. Uh, that, that's football, that's football? Yeah, yeah. That's football this morning. Uh, Ivan Tony back for Brentford, back with a bang. Uh, we've got to start with the goal, though, lads. We have to start with the goal. Um, and can I just give my two pennies worth? Please, can I yeah, just give my two you, you give it and then we'll, we'll, we'll bat off the back of you. All right, cool. Um, so Ivan Tony scored on his return to football for the first time in, what, seven months, was it? After eight, months. His, eight months. Eight months after he's banned from uh, betting. Um, and obviously it's written in the stars, he has to go and score, doesn't he? He scored his free kick. I just want to break the free, t- free kick down a little bit and, and give you my thoughts on it all. Um, it was a very easy goal for him to score. It was a very easy goal for him to score. Probably one of the easiest goals he will score in his career. Uh, as soon as he's got the ball down, I'm, I'm looking at the wall and I'm thinking, that doesn't look like it's... That's not cutting off that corner. That's not cutting off the corner. And you can see that Yates, the defender, is turning around, looking at the goalie, Matt Turner, saying, Matt, like, what's happening here? I don't think we're far enough across. So they move it a little bit more. And still, I'm thinking, mm, I, don't, I still don't. I think a ball can get whipped around there, yeah. And then I'm watching, and I'm thinking, Ivan Tony, you clever little buggy, you, you clever little bugger. And I do not begrudge him moving the ball a little bit, by the way, because every player that has ever taken a free kick has done that and will do that for the rest of whatever as well. Okay, as a goalkeeper, as a defender. When I've got my wall set up, yeah, and it's in the right position, I still don't think it was in the right position, but when it's in the right position, I'm happy with it, I will go and take, then take my position, yeah? We'll take my position, I'll cover my corner. But as I'm doing that, I keep my eyes on the ball. I keep my eyes on the ball like a hawk, because I know that player will try and move it. it because even, even moving it that much, that much, we're talking, what, 12, 15 inches, that much is enough to open up a corner and be able to whip it round. And I have to watch that like a hawk. And I hope that my defenders, the guy on the end of the, on the wall, the guy that's organising it, is watching it as well. None of them watched it. None of them. And that bit there is criminal, isn't it, Watto? Yeah. That bit there is the one where you've failed and you've let your team down because you have to watch that. That is your key yeah. job, your core job. I, I, thought, I thought it were really clever. And if you, if you watch it, do you know the ref for the game? No. Darren England. Darren England. We you got like beef him, with Darren England. You like him, yeah. He's, he's had a bad time of it. But but Tony moved the ball yeah. when Darren England were dealing with a two that Brentford had put on the edge of the forest wall. Yeah. And you've got to be a yard away. So he's making sure they're a yard away, they're not touching the wall, and yeah, all these yeah, new yeah. rules. And while he's messing with them two, he's just moved the ball there. Move the ball he, and the foam. And the foam. I like it, though. I don't mind it's that. intelligent it's, play. It's professional football. Absolutely. You have to steal the inch. Any millimetres Everybody, you can Everybody will Look, steal the inch. Yesterday lunchtime, wife's done a lovely roast pork, right? Red cabbage <laughs> the lot. I looked at my distribution of roast potatoes. The, the oldest daughter was working down at the forest. I thought, she ain't going to miss a roast potato. Wife's, I said, oh, look at that on the telly. She's watching Dallas cheerleaders or something. She looks up, one gone. Boom. If you get caught, it goes back. Exactly. But if you don't get caught, you've got an extra but that's potato. Scott you're making to how naive a forest. Exactly. Yeah? The ref can't see it. Yeah. Look, with, with the modern rules, the fourth officials... And, and the linesman, I'm not sure whether the linesman's ball side or opposite, so it might have been tough for him. But the fourth official, that's what he's doing, he's watching the game. Yeah. So he should be able to see if there's a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Darren England, to be fair, at that p- moment in time, he's dealing with the two. But Forrest, there's one player looking at it and the goalie can see it. Yeah. You just have to go mad. You, yeah. you go mad, you say, look, whatever. And and somehow then Darren England has to look at it and, and they readdress it. But if the Forrest wall adjusts itself 
the um, 30 inches, 15 yeah. inches, whatever he's moved the ball, he can't bend it round there. No. But, look... He didn't I, even have to really bend it. No, he's just... He didn't even have to really bend it. He just had to hit the target. It's not like he's putting crazy whipping, dipping on It's not the player who has to be found out for doing what he's done. He's tried to take an advantage exactly, of a situation. Yeah. He's done it. None of the Forest players yeah. reacted to that situation. And ultimately, fair play... Well, it, it, it's, it, a, it's a legitimate goal. The officials have just been absolutely It's done. funny, isn't it? Because I think Gary Neville said on Twitter that the referees are under a lot of pressure and Nuno had said he was going to send an email. But yeah. ultimately, I think if Antoni's under no blame, he's just tried it on. Yeah. I think the goalkeeper is... Mass, I don't rate that goalkeeper much anyway at this level. And what's VAR for? Exactly. Uh, you know, yeah. what's VAR for? They, yeah. they, what, they'll have watched that game back. So the biggest culprits for me are not the referee, it's not the goalkeeper, it's VAR, because we know what they go looking for. Yeah. You, they will have seen him move that and gone, that's OK. So it's VAR for me. Well, well surely the, it should be the quickest VAR check in the world as well. Because check it. The you, ball's you, in the wrong place. You're quite literally just looking at the moment that he's about to kick the ball. So look for about five or ten seconds before he kicks the ball. Well, it's and a rule, isn't it? Go in. I, I assume they've watched it. Yes, I, he did. They, well, that's they, they, they must have seen it. The they fourth official, just says to Darren England, he's moved the ball. And... When he says that, even if Tony's put it in, go to VAR. What's actually happened there? I haven't seen it. I, I know what I reckon they have seen it. I reckon it's. I, I reckon if the audio comes out, they've mentioned it and they've gone. It don't matter. I would hundred percent. Because why, why? Why wouldn't just, you? Why wouldn't you have seen it? Just be transparent, please. That's all. No, we're absolutely. Now, isn't it? Just be transparent. Because if it's an illegal honest. free kick, it's the same as not giving Liverpool's offside. Yeah. Against Spurs, I know it's, it's tiny, but if he's moved that and that's illegal, that's a failure on VAR. Yeah. Um, what's going to be happening with Nottingham Forest, by the way? Because obviously we're waiting to see what the uh, the result of the sanctions against them for um, you know financial fair play, um, whether they're going to get a, a points deduction. But if they go and get a similar points deduction to what Everton have received, ten points, and they, they are they are they are banging. No, football, e- the every every game becomes a big game. Look, we we know Brentford have not been on the best run, so they would have wanted to yeah. try and obviously get him back to two apiece. They'd have wanted something from the game. And they're going to be having fingers crossed and whatever else that they're not going to get done with um, points because even though we keep saying that the bottom three look like they're going to be the bottom three, if somebody like a Luton always keeps getting the uh, impetus of somebody points, yeah, above them yeah, keep course, losing yeah. points, and to be fair, they're starting to get a feel of the league, yeah. they might... They might just have enough, and it'll be tough for Forest. Look, they get done when Tony moves the ball. Second goal's a, a corner, yeah. so they get done with two set pieces in a game. But I have to say, the quality of the goals in this game: mm. the, the first goal, touch, volley, and then yeah, the winning goal, it, yeah. touch, bounce, volley. Yeah. The standard of the goals in terms of the open play stuff were really top, top draw. Mm. And Woods header. So the three goals in open play were really Cracking top goals, draw, yeah. yeah. Um, but ultimately, you know you're going to go to Brentford and uh, you get done on two set plays. Well, it's good to see Evan Tony back anyway. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this, um, with, the, with the points deduction, because there, there was a guy on, um, on TalkSport the other day, actually, financial fair play expert, um, with Simon Jordan and Jim White, and uh, he, was, he was explaining, basically, what they're getting sanctioned for and how it all works, and it's for the last couple of tax years. Um, and the way he's explained it is, basically, Forrest have just, yeah, they've just gone... To hell with it. To hell with it. We're going to spend money right, left and centre, not worry about the repercussions later on down the line. Very similar to Everton, actually. Um, and the way he was talking was that they're going to get a hefty, a hefty points deduction. Well, the thing is, I thought a lot of it was um, Brennan Johnson in the summer. Yeah. They were going to always try and sell him yeah. to, make, to make the well, rules up. But he to... wanted to go to the top six team. They've... Brentford, I think, offered 
X, Y, or Z. He said, no, I'm going to wait for the top. Exactly, and that's yeah, then yeah. affected the They didn't get it rule. done quick enough. Yeah, yeah that's what they did. So they've tried to manipulate when the deal was actually done or yeah, agreed yeah. and say that it was, no, it was agreed months but, in advance, which it goes into last tax year. And, which, we're, and where we're, we're at now, I think, with Everton getting done, uh, they're going to get done something. Yeah, I think and, they will too. And it could tighten the bottom of the league up for sure. Now's the time to take the points, though. You know, yeah. I know they're going to appeal it, but now's the time to take the points because you don't want to be taking those points in May. No, gosh, no. Mm-hmm. I think if psychologically, you if you've got it, yeah. you, you know what, you know what do, you're working with, and there's probably going to be five or six teams there then mm. in the bottom who are really going to be scrapping for it, which makes it a little bit more entertaining at least. Uh, right, we're going to talk about Liverpool. Um, big, big win for them yesterday, 4 0. Um, Jota, by the way, what mm. a player, what a little workhorse. Nunes, still a little bit sort of scattergunny, but, you know, two good goals for him. Um, I thought this game was going to be a little bit of a sticky one, you know? A little bit of a sticky one. On uh, That's Football, where we do our predictions every week, Watto, I actually put this down as a bit of a draw, didn't I? Mm, yeah. uh, I thought it was going to be difficult for Liverpool, missing a couple of big players, Trent and Salah. Um, also, the weather. I thought the weather would have... Yeah, a you're big... not used to that on the South Coast, are Honestly, you? <laughs> I thought this would have a big factor in this yesterday because there was a big storm. I can't remember what it was called. Ida, is it? Something, um, with an something like that, anyway. Um, and I, I thought it would be in a little stadium, a little stands. I thought they've got an open end. I thought it'd be blowing a gale through it. But it didn't come to fruition. Bournemouth were very, very poor. Liverpool just looked like they were they, they were in complete control. 14 games unbeaten now for Liverpool. Yep. Uh, the only game they've lost was that Spurs game. Um, I'd still say City are favourites, but just specifically on Liverpool, to do that without Salah, mm. without Trent, mm. Sabozlai, a few players out as well. Endo's been good for them this season. Started with Curtis Jones and uh, Harvey Elliott in the midfield. Um First half, they were slightly better. Second half, they were way better. You can tell. I think this is the big difference in the title race. You've got Jurgen Klopp, who's won a title. And you can tell at half-time, he said, these are the sort of games you've got to go and win. You need to step it up. And second half, they moved higher up the pitch. They committed more men. That's how they scored the first goal. Um, And, you know, Nunez, Jota, second half were absolutely fantastic. But I think it's uh, incredible the options that he's got when you look at that team now. Even at centre-back, you've got Canate, you've got Van Dijk, but you've got Gomez playing at left-back. You've got that young lad, Kwanzaa. You've got the other young lad, Bradley, at right-back. They've still got Simicas, Matip. Trent, they've got defensive options, you've got a great goalkeeper, they've got six or seven options in midfield, they've got no Salah up front but you take Diaz off to bring Gakpo on, Jota comes in, brilliant in the press, such an underrated player Nunes just needs to score goals and he did, and you look at that Liverpool team and whether they're going to win the league this year or not, they're all quite young Yeah, I think Liverpool are set for the next two or three years Do you know what? Good, you good you just described that so well Honestly, so, so well. And if you're a Liverpool supporter and you're listening to this or watching this right now, you should all be so happy at the way that your football club is running. They're slightly ahead of schedule. Without doubt. But you know you know what? I mean, I was glad Arsenal won. I don't want Liverpool to win the league, but at least they're all giving Man City a... Asking a few questions at the moment. It's right, though, isn't it? The way that Liverpool have run it, like I say, they're, they're blooding youngsters in, um, 18-year-olds making debuts. Um, they've got players away at AFCON, players injured, massive players... But it still doesn't really matter, does it? And I know last year was a bit of a disappointment for them league-wise, but it was that year where they have to sort of turn it around a little bit, let go of some of the older guard, bring some new players in, new blood. But it's worked because they've got the guy at the top of the top of the tree knows how it works properly because yeah. he's a winner. It reminds me very much of a Man United mm. when Fergie were in charge. Yeah. Eventually, you know when a team's come to its peak yeah. and you might have to take a step back like they did last year, but he's rebuilt a team. 
and they are going to be a driving force for, for years to come. I thought the game, there weren't much in the game in, in, the, in the first half, if truth be told, um, but second half, Liverpool stepped up on the press. Yeah. Um, Klopp spoke about it after the game, more of the counter-press where they're really at it. So as soon as um, Bournemouth had it, they really that, just That, that was up. like Liverpool from, like you remember the, back really in, the Firmino, yeah. the Salah and the Mane, them three used to press like yeah, you yeah. would not believe it. They were horrible. And when they get that detail right, yeah. But but the first goal was just a thing of pure joy, wasn't yeah. it? They win the ball high, pop, pop, one-touch finish. Nunes, you're not quite sure when it comes to him, yeah. are you? But he, he, to be fair to him, he took it He took it really well. Um, people talk about Neto on the second goal. I mean, it's an unbelievable that finish. That finish is unbelievable. Yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Near post, pace. He's <laughs> passing before you can yeah. see it. Off I, the foot I, of the post I as well. think it yeah. was an unbelievable finish. Uh, and second half, they were just relentless. And it just shows you in football as well, like Bournemouth go down to 10 men, they've lost a man because he's injured, the med five subs, and Liverpool, no mercy. No keep mercy. going, keep yeah. going, keep going. It might come down to goal difference this year, who knows? And uh, Nunes gets his second good cross from Gomez. But they were relentless in the second half. Yeah. Never looked like anything other than going five points clear. And to say that that's the first time that uh, they've been without salary, played 59 games in a row before the wow. weekend. That's an incredible stat. So that just shows you how robust he is. Then all of a sudden he goes away, different environment, with Egypt, probably not doing the the detail yeah, like Liverpool yeah, have, sure. and he gets injured. Gets a little injury, which means he's going to be out for... You, being in football, right, if you get a hamstring injury, somebody like a Mo Salah, right, he's a Rolls-Royce, he's a, he's a specimen. For him to get a hamstring injury is, is a big deal for him. Like I say, 59 games he's played in a row for Liverpool, hasn't missed one. It's going to be about a month, isn't it? It's going to be about a month. They have to be careful with him because they don't want to rush him back. It sounds to me like it's probably a grade one, which is a bit of a, a, a tiny tear, a tiny tear. It's like a real bad bruising, basically. But you, you don't want to rush him back because at that point, it's still a little bit fragile. So you have to be careful with it. You have to make sure that it fully recovers and then you can go again properly. But, but Klopp's playing the game then, isn't he, after the game? Obviously, as soon as they've seen he's injured. like I, I've been at clubs in the past when we've had players good to certain tournaments and and this being one of them for sure um he's already said look the the Liverpool doctors into him they're prepared to send staff over there yeah. really they want Salah to come back now for two or three of weeks they will rehab because him because they've got it, the, yeah. it's the detail and it's not being disrespectful no. to the staff uh, Egypt and whatever but you can already tell that He's not gone about his business how he would have gone about yeah, his business sure. at Liverpool. And the change of environment and how he's done his warm-ups, recovery, pre po all the little things, and that's what's happened. And Liverpool is just such a massive player for him. Even if they can get him back, if Egypt get through, and send him back to play in the quarter-final, yeah. semi-final, mm -hmm. if they can get him fit back in Liverpool with the staff and all the facilities they've got, that's a win for Liverpool. Is, you, you've, you've done a World Cup, you've done with England. Um, when, when big players, big players at, uh, at big clubs uh, come away with you guys, was there ever a case of them wanting to bring a physio from their club, for example? Say if you've got a player from Arsenal or, or Man United, is there ever a case of the club wanting to send their own physio or their own sort of staff to make sure that they can monitor and look over the player to get, make sure he's getting everything he Not needs? in my time, as in having the person or people there. Yeah. But for sure, the, the link between our medical staff with the national team and the medical staff at these clubs is paramount to trying to be really successful. Yeah. The hardest thing that we found uh, as when, when you're taking the national team is the fact that you're bringing so many players together from, say, five, six, eight, ten clubs, whatever. But each club has a different philosophy in mm. terms of how they prepare for a game, in terms of the numbers. 
after a game, recovery sessions, right, yeah. second day recovery, third day. So every player is on a different strategy. And when you're with the national team, as we've just talked about with Salah in Egypt, you have to try and pull it all together. Yeah. And ultimately, you have to be together. But when you change the strategy of the club's yeah, strategy and you put it to your... It? And then you get you can get problems. Yeah. And the hardest time we had with the national team um, was having different strategies at different clubs. And it weren't us being critical of the different strategies because the strategies were obviously working for various clubs. But Roy wanted it to be our team. Yeah. And all the other strategies had to come together. This is England's strategy. Yeah, sure. And players did find it hard to adapt. And medical teams did find it hard to accept that X, Y or Z were going to have to do what we wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's then potentially where you get the problems. And I think that's where the Salah things come. International breaks are probably the hardest, aren't they? Because they're yeah. in season. Yeah, they weeks, are. Yeah. Well, you, you don't have any time to prepare. I suppose the major tournaments, the, the end of season major tournaments, are a little bit easier to prepare, prepare for because you might have three, four weeks before the tournament actually starts for everybody to get on the sort of, sort of same timeline, yeah. same recovery, same everything like that. Whereas AFCON is kind of like they play the Premier League game on the Saturday, they're away with the team, and the, the next game is the next week. So everybody has but to the, quickly just sort of Egypt jump on it. coaches want Salah straight out there. They've not been together. Yeah, They've got to sure. practice. And Salah's strategy would have been totally different. And, mm. you know, Liverpool will do anything to get him fit. And I'm sure he'll be back in Liverpool and getting their medical treatment. For right, brilliant. Love that. Great analysis. Great insight as well. Well done, Watto. Um, we've got to talk about uh, Sheffield United, West Ham. Um, late VAR drama. Uh, this was a two-all draw. It's a bit of an entertaining game, actually. I like this game. It was a bit of a throwback game. It was a, a bit of sort of all, all hands to the pump. Um, but we've got to start with the uh, 98th minute Ollie McBurney penalty. Um, it was given as a penalty. Uh, Ariola came out to try and punch the ball. Um, he ended up getting elbowed in the face and gave a penalty away. Uh, as a goalie, I'm not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not backing the goalies here or anything, but in my opinion, I think it's not a penalty. I don't think Ariola can be accused of giving a penalty away there. As he's come out, he's only got eyes for the ball. He's coming out to do that. Ollie McBurney has sort of shit himself a little bit. He's shit himself a little bit. He's turned his back into it, ended up elbowing Ariola in the face. Ariola clatters into Ollie McBurney. The referee looks at it on VAR and gives a penalty. So it wasn't given on the pitch as a penalty? It, no, I the ball went it. out. The ball went straight out, didn't it? For a, yeah, for the ref a, gave the penalty. Yeah. I thought the ref gave the penalty on the pitch. Uh, OK, then, either way. Because I think that's the problem, isn't it? Either way, the, the, like I say, VAR get to look at this then and they, they get to slow it down frame by frame. And but surely, how can how can the you... rules are? If it's a clear and obvious error, it shouldn't be a penalty. Yes. Yeah, but they won't do that. They won't. Do they won't. Because they'll always will, back their mate. But they will yeah. exactly that. They'll always back yes. their mate. So this is where now everybody looks at it. David Moy says that's the game. He says we get to the point now as managers, we don't know what you're going to no. do now. We don't know what you're going to do because weird and wonderful things like that happen. Mm. You had a Jared, Bo Jared Bowen incident, I think, a few minutes before or a few no, minutes after. No, few minutes after. It's virtually the last action of the game. Where the defender has basically got both arms round him yeah. and pulled him down. Well, it's no the same penalty. as what happened to Rodri in the Manchester derby, and that's a penalty, and yeah. now it's not a penalty. And then last week, Ganacho has it against Spurs. It's not a penalty. It's, it's, it's just... It, yeah. we, 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 you, but, you've got to sympathise with West Ham, and next week it might be Sheffield United, but it's not a penalty, but VAR, not fit for purpose. Well, uh, Onana came out earlier in the season against Wolves, but punched think, the kid in the face, and it's no penalty. But, but I, think this is, <laughs> I think this is where it's all come from. The, the first game of the season, they made a right arse of it. Yeah. You know, it's a clear penalty. The ref didn't give it on the field, but VAR just have to go back and say it's a penalty. Yeah. This, look, the ball, it's a good cross in the box. 
Arioli has to come and try yeah. and protect his defenders. McBurney, cheap yeah. trick on him, elbows in the face. It's a foul on the goalie. It's a foul it's on the goalie. so clear. Yeah. It's First incredible. of all, McBurney's not going to reach the ball as well, by the no. way. McBurney is getting nowhere near the ball. The ball is over the top of him. The goalie's coming out to get it. Uh, Bernie stepped across him, elbowed in the face, and blocked him off to, to start with, right? And yet, sit still, somehow the referee has seen it as a penalty. And I understand it's fine. If there's no VAR and the referee gives a penalty there, you still go, all right, cool, he's given a penalty, he's probably got it he's wrong. He's made a decision, but he's made a I mean? decision at least. I'll, I'll, I'm cool with that. But the fact that somebody then has re watched it on the, on the tape and gone, yeah, all right, I'll stick with that. That's the bit there that makes you just go... Boom. They're also so scared, though, aren't they? They're scared to... It's like the guy, when they say, we think it's a red card, go and have a look at the screen. Do they ever not give a red card? Do they go, no, I'm happy nope. it's not a red card? It's, it's all theatre, it's all nonsense, and it's all a joke. Also, I thought it should have been a penalty for that. Danny Ings has a shot. You know, I don't understand why that's not a penalty. Oh, it's a natural arm position. He's just blocked a shot yeah. on goal. It's a shot on goal. He's blocked it with his hand. There's no natural arm position. It's a handball. So West Ham should feel very, very aggrieved with that. They will do. Uh, it was a, it was a massive result for, for Sheffield United, to be honest mm. with you. These sort of points, you know, against mm. West Ham, no, it, it gives, could all come to play. At the it gives the them momentum, doesn't it? I mean, I, I thought West Ham were really, put, were really poor, to be yeah. honest with you. But I, I, the thing is for me, because I've got a soft spot for them, really, with Prousey and Ingsy being in the team, I thought Ingsy were phenomenal for them, you know what I mean? Playing just yeah. behind Bowen there, that's probably now his best position. He gets in little pockets and he's really creative. But at 2 1 up, they'd expect to go, mm. go, go and win the game, you know. But for Sheffield United, it gives them some something, yeah. you know what I mean? And like we're talking about, if there's points off for other teams, look, I know yeah. the miles off, aren't they, Sheffield United? Yeah. I think that's just got them into double figures. They're only on 10 points. But the more that teams uh, are breaking the rules in front of them and losing points, the more hope they've got. I think it brings Luton into play more than any of the others, but for sure they've got a chance. Yeah, OK. We've got a bit more topical sh- uh, chat to come. Uh, we've got to start, though, with Troy Deeney. Um, six games as Forest Green manager just got the uh, the tic-tac, unfortunately for him. Uh, didn't really quite work out. Uh, what I want to talk to you guys about, really, though, is is some of the comments that he made after the games. Basically, the reason why he got the sack. He, he said, uh, after a disappointing defeat last week, that he, he, one p- player in particular, Dabo, he came out and basically criticised him out to the media, and it was a little bit brutal. Let's you know, let's not lie about it. It was a little bit brutal. Um, what I was somebody who's worked in that environment, what does that do for the team? What does that do for the players as individuals when you hear your manager talking like that? I think it's really difficult. I think if Troy Deeney could have his time again and not have said what he said, I'm sure in hindsight he would have just calmed his jets a little bit. Yeah. Football's an emotive game and obviously they've got beat 2-0. The bottom of the league is is expecting that to be the start of the turnaround. He wants to win the game for sure. But we've spoke about it numerous times on this programme. When when things come outside of the dressing room, things that stay, stay in the dressing room, you can accept as a player. Yeah. When you put it out there, um, I think it's really difficult. And they're in a difficult position, Forest Green. And he's gone after one of the players and the players then react to protect that player. Mm. And when you change the feeling inside that dressing room, and Troy Deeney knows that, he will have regretted it probably from the moment he said it. 
because he'd worked there as an assistant coach before he's got the manager's yeah. role. Player, so, player assistant coach. So he would have been the, 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 the feel between the manager and the players. He'd have been working closely with him. He would have known him better than the manager in some regard because when you're the assistant, you're not on the cold face in terms of making the tough decisions. Um, I just don't think in the modern day you can attack the players like that and think you're going to come out on the other side really in a positive way. What do you make of it, Matt? Um, I think I have sympathy for Troy in the sense that as a fan, you know, as a Man United fan, there's plenty of time where I would love Eric Tenag to come out and say that player's a shit house yeah, and he's yeah, not yeah. putting it in. I think it comes like Watto says that it comes down to football player power. Yeah. You know, players I mean, ultimately, the players have won there. They've sacked the manager. And, uh, you know, you think back to the likes of Sir Alex Ferguson, you know, your Jurgen Klopp's. The manager should always be the power. He's probably overstepped it, but I think it was redeemable. Yeah. I think it could have been solved. I think there could have been a, you know, if Troy comes out and says, look, at the end of the day, I'm not perfect. I've not won a game yet. I'm looking at myself. I'm willing to take criticism, but I want my players to take criticism as well. I want them to do better. Mm. There was a way out of that. I think, it's, I, think it's a, I think it's a shame he's been sacked because I think actually it just sends that wider message now that players can get managers can get sacked. Away, yeah. And I think that there was, a, there was a PR piece where they could have worked it back. Yeah. I, don't think that, I don't think anyone wins from this now because he was probably right to call the player out, yeah. not publicly, but the player probably needed it calling out. And now those players have, oh, we've got rid of a manager, but he's still bottom of the league. So. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think my perspective is, uh, obviously I played with Troy for, for a good few years at Watford, so I know what Troy's like as a character, and I know that when it is an emotional setting and you've just lost a game, then I got to see up close and personal Troy in that environment, I'd see how disappointed he would get, you know. For me, winning a game is about giving everything you've got. Some, sometimes I'll forgo quality, I will. Like, quality, fine, I'll, if you make a mistake, cool, that's fine. But giving everything you've got, give it everything you've but got. That's it's the as level as that. As well, for him, he's working, you know, League Two. He, he would just expect them players to give him everything. everything. And I think if he's felt that they've not given him that, then that's going to hurt him. Exactly. But that's when we spoke off air earlier. I think he ne- you just need the older head as, a, as an assistant or some somebody can sound check him yeah. before he speaks to the players after the game or certainly speaks to the media. And I just I just think they've handled it badly. I think there's a way back. Yeah. I think there was a way back from that, that they could have done a really good piece and, and, and worked it back. But you know what it's like with clashes of personalities and yeah. you know, people will be in the in the office behind him going, we've not been able to Well, that's that the thing. Stuff, Forest yeah. Green have been the most sustainable club, haven't they? They try and do everything right. They're not really in the mix. Like, they've sat now two managers in... Yeah. Well, they're, they're about to point their ninth manager in three years. Yeah, and that's obviously some of it because they've had good results and they've lost managers. Yeah. But, like, for them to sack two managers in 30-odd days is just crazy. Yeah. Right, we've got a bit more talk to come. Uh, Troy Deeney, by the way, hopefully he's coming in the office. This afternoon, we're going to be doing a Fozcast with him, um, talking about the Forest Green job, all that kind of stuff. Right, a little bit more topical football chat for you. We've obviously got the quiz at the end of the show, so make sure you stay tuned for that. I am looking forward to that. Uh, we've got to talk about Manchester United, though, Mark. Uh, they've just appointed a new chief executive. I'm not sure he's going to be able to start work until the summer, um, but it's a bit of a big coup for Manchester United, poaching him from their rivals, Manchester City. Omar Baradi, new chief executive. Um, is this a, a step in the right direction, at least, for Manchester United? I think it is. It's funny. I mean, I know a lot about him now, but when it came out on Saturday night, I just did a quick five minutes on United Stand reading the article and said, we'll leave it at that. I mean, it made me laugh that loads of people were acting like, you know, oh, hours of streaming. Oh, you know, yeah, you, need, you, you wouldn't know if he's your bloody father-in-law yeah. on Saturday morning. But... Uh, Formerly Chief Operating Officer at Man City, yeah. been there for 10 years, previously at Barcelona. Uh, Man United have gone and 
uh, you know, basically uh, poached him from uh, from Manchester City. It's a it's a it's an increase in job to CEO. Um, and look, everything about him sound it sounds like he's best in class. Mm. Sounds like United have gone and and I said I've been saying this for years. You don't need to know these people. You're not gonna. It's not like getting Kevin De Bruyne. You're not gonna know who these people are. But Man United need to go and get the best CEO in football, the best director of football in football. I know they're talking about Dan Ashworth, which you're gonna know a little bit more about because it's it's more recruitment. But didn't know anything about him. He was being headhunted by a lot of Premier League clubs last summer, even NFL. Uh, franchises yeah. and, and MLS and all that so very very highly regarded he's a football guy he's, look some people are a bit uncomfortable that he's at Man City but actually when you think about it same city same league most successful club in the world yeah. if you're going to bring somebody in to rebuild your football club it's like when Chelsea took Peter Kenyon from Man United isn't it mm. you go and get the best you can I don't know loads about him but he's a, he's, he's, he's a good candidate and he knows what he's on about so you know I know Man City aren't particularly happy about it Proof's going to be in the pudding. Action's bigger than words. I think Man United's job is huge. Ineos's job is absolutely huge. But it's an impressive appointment. There needs to be a lot more. Uh, Watto, how, how influential, how important is this job within a football club? Look, it's massive. You can see over his period of time at Man City, it's not a quick fix. Yeah. It's a long-term project. And I think City would be disappointed to lose somebody of his ilk when he's been at that club for so long because you feel as though you've, you've, you've stabilised your ship and you want that to continue. Um, he's obviously been appointed now, and I think for Man United it's a great appointment. I'm not sure how much work Ratcliffe and Brailsford will have done with it because I'm sure this process started long before these guys have come onto the scene because you're not just going to appoint somebody like that in a Out week or two. Yeah. yeah, I think the process has been going on for a long time. I think the one thing for his, from his perspective, if you feel as though with Man United you can get the time to to really build and do what he did at City, you're going into a phenomenal football club. Yeah. But it's on its knees mm. in terms of the infrastructure and everything around it, the training ground, the stadium. And and from the football perspective as well, you've got to re rejig the whole thing. And if they're going to give him the time like City have given him, it's a fantastic opportunity and a massive project. Again, I don't know too much about the guy but the best people behind the scenes operate in the shadows. They must, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a gutsy, uh, it's a gutsy decision from him, you know. It's a gu- you must imagine it. uh, Man City would have it very cushy. It's yeah, all yeah. going so well. He knows his job role. He's sort of stepping into the fire. Well, a that's bit. good in it because it's point. You want people with points to prove. Yeah, and he knows sure. he's going from there to there, and he knows everyone's going to look at him for doing that. It's like yeah. a bit like when a when a when a footballer does, isn't it? And they go from there to there, and you go, "What are they doing?" Well, they, and it's yeah. like you know, most of the times for the money. Man. Yeah, most yeah. of the yeah. time maybe it is the money. money again. We'll see. Time will tell. Uh, and quickly, uh, Jose Mourinho just been sacked by Roma. Um, can we see him turn back up in the Premier League anytime soon? Next England manager for me. Really? Perfect. Perfect. I mean, look, I'm not big on having English coaches unless it's going to be Eddie Howe and I don't know whether that's possible Southgate needs to go in the summer hopefully with the Euros in his pocket Mourinho his best years have been in the Prem he loves London Um, there might be a few problems with some English players like Luke Shaw that might be problematic but I'd love to see Mourinho giving it he might love London. St George's Park is in the middle of nowhere. In Burton, mate. He can he's, 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 <laughs> Burton upon Trent. He he's, he's Where not, does Southgate he, live? Uh, I've got no idea. Uh, Harrogate, I think. Uh, he's not. He's not going to have a, a duplex two up, two down in Burton, is he? <laughs> well, I, I tell you what. I, I would love Mourinho to be England manager. I think England football has lost its charisma. It's yeah. lost its personality, especially in the England uh, manager's job. And uh, I, I think Mourinho. I think he's done. 
I think he's done as a club manager. Um, I think getting stabbed in the back by Chelsea and Man United players, it didn't go well at Spurs, it's not gone well at Roma. He's one of the greatest managers ever, but you know, not everyone walks out the front door like Sir Alex was saying mm. this at the weekend. Most managers like Wenger, they just peter away, don't they? So I think for Mourinho, I think international football is slower and that's always suited him. And I think that's the step to go next for Mourinho. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think he's been uh, he, he's been a phenomenal manager. When and his record in the Premier League speaks for itself. I think he's obviously gone and tried in Roma. It's not worked out. He's got two options. He becomes an international manager, or he'll get an offer from the Saudi. Saudi, Poland, yeah. Sure. I think that's, a, that's um, a, yeah. They're they're the two options for him. Um, a bit like what we spoke about with Roy, really. I don't think you want Mourinho's last job to be him getting sacked, and I don't want Roy to get sacked at Palace. Yeah, sure. Finish on your own terms. If he wants to be an international manager, Mourinho, whether it's England or not, I'm not sure, but somebody in the international arena will offer him a job. Yeah. Right, quiz time in a minute. Uh, Jose Mourinho, um, go to Saudi, mate. A million quid a week, sweeter than not. No pressure, doddle. Uh, quiz time, <laughs> let's have it, lads. Jamie, we're ready. Ten questions. <laughs> yes, we are ready. Sound like a bloke off the office, Keith. Why? What does he say? What was it? The peak practice. Everyone says it's boring, but I like it. <laughs> but not me. I like it. <laughs> Question okay. one. He's got checks every day from. Not me. I like them. That's the one. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> They're putting you off here, Jamie. Are, are, are we ready? Are we ready? Yeah, we're good. Question one. Which current Premier League manager used to manage a Forest Green Rovers? Oh, wow. Rob Edwards. Rob Edwards is the correct answer. Ooh, well, one. Well, 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 well. He's Neil had a break. Watto. He's like Arsenal. He's had a little break <laughs> yeah. and he's sharp and ready. <laughs> Question two. Which team in the Premier League lost two games by an eight-goal margin in the 2009-2010 season? Ipswich. No. Forest. No. Can, can you reread the question, please? Which team in the Premier League lost two games by an eight-goal margin in the 2009-2010 season? Does that mean they lost like nine-one and eight-nil and because yes. eight, eight, yeah, yes, right. yes, five, four, Sheffield United, no, Wednesday, no, Southampton, Premier League team, yeah, Wigan. Wigan. They're not in the Premier League. Yeah, but they were in the Premier League when. Oh, yeah. oh my <laughs> God! I understood you, that. Oh, come I, on! No, I'm not having this. I, no, I, I understood no. that. Tottenham beat them heavy, didn't they? Was yeah, Defoe scored like Spurs, five, didn't he? Spurs nine-one, and then the last game of the season, Chelsea beat eight. I'm all right with that, Jamie. I'm oh, right. that's yeah. I, I did say like, 2009. I don't <laughs> like the wording. How was he? I could have seen that with good eyes. Could have. Question three. Who scored the final two goals in Arsenal's 5-0 win? Martinelli. Oh, I knew that was going to be a question. 2-0 <laughs> to Watto. Oh, wow. I didn't want to get it because people would go, he's yeah. it. <laughs> I need to like angle myself. No, you don't, you're doing great, mate. Okay, question four, 2-0 Watto. The lowest attendance in the Premier League was 3,039 in 1993 when Everton played away to which club? Wimbledon. Wimbledon's the correct answer. He's a piece of piss. What the <laughs> hell? They are the used to get anyone there. <laughs> they had rubbish. <laughs> rubbish, <laughs> rubbish attendance as well. Well, you've been on them sunbeds, mate. You should have taken some in to read. <laughs> I haven't been on sunbeds. <laughs> <laughs> ben White. What? You and Ben White. Oh, yeah, you've been on a lot more than anybody, yeah. 
Well, I've definitely not been on them. No, no, no. no. I've got me uh, frost tan. <laughs> right. well, Minus that. three last week. You're on the snow bed. Yeah. Question five, two, nil, one. Can you name one of the two non-English clubs to have played in the Premier League? Swansea. Swansea is the correct answer. <sighs> and what's the other one? For Cardiff. The, no, yeah, Cardiff, Cardiff is yeah. the other one. Up the Welsh. Up the Welsh. Boy, oh. Ben's in trouble here. I know. Yeah. You need to get back on the drink. Oh, no. Dry January is just zapping my brain. Question six. Career path question. This is you, mate. This, this will get you back yeah, in yeah, it. Yeah, I have played for Aston Villa, Burnley loan, Sheffield United loan, Bolton, Chelsea, Crystal Palace. Gary Cahill is the correct answer. <laughs> He'd been on performance-sensing drugs, he has, in Tenerife. <laughs> they're, Ill- they're legal there, aren't they? Honestly, yeah, when you're drinking there, mate, you, the, the, the football quizzes are, <laughs> are in every other pub. <laughs> Three, nil, two. <coughs> wow. There is four questions left. Question seven. You've got a chance. Where is Juventus based in Italy? Turin. Turin. Yeah, you got that. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to be a whitewash. We all got it. Yeah, it was good. Good from all of you. Question eight. Who was the manager who won the Euros in 2020? Mancini. Roberto Mancini is the correct answer. I think in Spain. You want three? Yeah. Three, three, one. Come on. Two left. Come on. It'd be good if it were like a three-way tie. Oh, it's never been seen before. And I swear you'll never see something like this ever again. Okay, so we've got sort of a new question. Oh! It's a manager career path. Oh, I like this. So I have managed yeah. Bournemouth, West Ham, Portsmouth, Southampton. Harry Redknapp. Harry Redknapp from Ben. Oh, it could be a three-way. <laughs> it could be a three-way. Question 10. <laughs> I'm getting excited here. You can't laugh already. <laughs> I'm sorry. Who was the manager before Steven Gerrard at Aston Villa? Steve Bruce. No. No, what a twat. Dean Smith. Dean I knew Smith. it, I knew it. I couldn't win? think of his name. Come on! I couldn't think of his name. It's me. I can see him. Yes! I can see him. Even Luke is buzzing. <laughs> well done, Watto. Thank you, mate. Oh, well done, mate. Thank you, well, mate. Thank you, mate. Thank I'd rather Watto win than you, to be honest. That was a good quiz. I knew so many of them answers. I was only a fraction of them. You need to go to Tenerife every couple of weeks. I'd love to. The liver couldn't cope with it, but I would love to. Um, good quiz, lads. Well done, well done, Jay. Thank you. Brilliant. Um, four two one. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's not even close. Oh no, four two two was it? Yeah, four two two. Four two two. Four two two. Yeah. yeah. Um, well done, everybody. Um, no, four three two. Four three two. It was. Yeah. Well done, lads. Watto, proud of you. Um, thank you, mate. Uh, have a Thanks. good week. All right. Yeah. Well done. Uh, thank you, everybody. I hope you played along at home and hope you got more than me because I was brutal today. See you soon.